You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. What you got. Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers. Welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And I am really happy and really excited to get into this week's episode because I had such an amazing time interviewing this phenomenal young woman. Listen, Candace Washington also known by her pen name, Candice Wrights, was born in Selma, Alabama. She is a mother, author, minister, licensed social worker, and therapist. She is the author of Breathe, Rest, Reflect, Reset, part Bible study, part memoir, outlining God's blueprint for healing. She's been a featured guest on radio shows, the Word Television Network, and several podcasts discussing faith, mental health, and her testimony of hope and redemption. Her transparency has gifted her with a heart for this generation, fostering conversations about mental health, conveying that believers can have both our strong God and a strong therapist. Candice is a licensed therapist at Totally Whole Counseling Service in Baltimore, Maryland, where she supports and guides clients on their healing journey. She is also the founder and CEO of Restorative Minds Therapeutic and Wellness Services in Bowie, Maryland, promoting mental health competency through education, training, coaching, and consulting. Candace currently resides in Maryland with her sons, Bryson and Braxton. Let's welcome Candace to the podcast. Candace, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about talking about mental health today. I am so excited to talk about this topic with you. I feel like we've been talking about it quite frequently on the podcast, which is really good because I know that means that somebody out there needs to hear what we have to say today. So before we jump in, I'd like you to tell us a fun fact about you that is not in your bio. So a fun fact about me. So since we kind of been home these last um, several years and we're starting to kind of open back up, one of the things that I've you know been learning about myself is that I love nature. So I have started hiking and I started like just taking like long walks by lakes. It's very super for me and it grounds me and it allows me to be more present in the moment. So that's a fun fact um, about me. I started hiking. I love that fun fact. I think whilst being sort of everyone around the world, all being forced inside all at once, I think we realized how much we took for granted going outside. For sure. It makes such, I mean, it makes such a difference. And I noticed that difference. I started to notice that difference when I went to university. Um, I'm from the island of Bermuda. 
So wow. I am an island girl. That's where I live now. And I didn't uh-huh. know how much sort of the sun and being able to see the water and being able to go outside affected me until I moved to rainy England, where in the winter, the sun was going down at 3.30. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> so going outside, I think, and really trying something new and getting yeah. something that grounds you makes a difference. It does. It so does. Yeah. Yeah. So amongst the amazing things that we heard in your bio, you are also a licensed social worker and therapist. What led you to this career path? God, 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 God. So, you know, I've I have 10 years plus of experience um, in working in the mental health field, but it was more so um, education and training and workshops. Um, but it wasn't until after I went through another bout of depression, another bout of, you know, wrestling with suicidal thoughts. Um, and God brought me through that, that when I got to the other side, God said, now you need to reach out your hand, just like someone reached out their hand to you. And I already was on the path, you know, I went to as you said in my bio, I went to Howard University and I got my master's in social work. So I already knew I was going to be in the mental health field. But just because you're in the mental health field does not mean you're a therapist, does not mean you're a social worker. You could be a school guidance counselor. You can be out in the community. You can be in the prisons. You can be in the hospital. There are so many things that we can do that therapy is not the only way. It's just one of many. But God said, no, your voice, your story, how you show up for people, it matters. And people need to be seen. They need to be heard and they need to have a safe space. And God just redirected and shifted what it was that I thought I went to school for. And a year later, you know, Shantae, I'm just so thankful um, in being in this space with, with my clients and seeing, you know, how therapy is very trans, you know, forming for them in their lives. So it, it was God. It was really God. I think that's amazing because we can do one thing. We can go on one path and think, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen. That's how life's going to be for us. And God is just coming up and he's like, no, it reminds me of the TikTok that goes, "Mm -mm -mm, mm -mm -mm." (laughs) like he's just saying, no, you think you have it, but I have an ultimate plan for you. Yeah. I know which direction that I want you to move in. And I think God is just phenomenal in that way, because once we listen to him, once we submit to him, we find our audience, we find our tribe, we find our community who yes. needs our voice. So I think that's absolutely Amazing. So how do you, because you said God led you down this path. Mm -hmm. How do you use your relationship in God to marry what you do whilst you're out in the field doing social work and being a therapist and ministering? How do you marry the two? I love that question. And this is the first time I've ever thinking back. This is the first time I've ever been asked, you know, that question in this way. So I love it because is is God just dwells in me, you know? And I realized that in therapy, not all of my clients are faith-based clients, meaning not all of my clients, we intentionally incorporate spirituality into our sessions because I have clients from different backgrounds, races, um, faiths. But what I realized 
is that it's the God in me that God works through me and gives me the language and what to say. And it penetrates their hearts and it penetrates their spirits. One of the things God shared with me early on, because I was so gone, I was so gone ho on this. I said, God, when I go into this space, I'm just going to incorporate you in everything and I'm going to have a faith based, you know, based practice. And God was like, goes back to what you said that he was like, uh, uh, uh. And he was just like, think outside of this box. Your job is to be the vessel to help keep people here. My job is to do the transformation. My job is to penetrate their hearts. Your job is being used to keep them here. So I have clients who wrestle with suicidal ideation. I have clients who wrestle with depression, trauma, grief, loss. And I realized that me showing up in that space with compassion, with care, with no judgment, and just seeing them and listening to them. And I actually, you know, Shantae told a client this recently, thank you for trusting me because there's parts of you that probably your mom doesn't know about, your dad doesn't know about, your best friend doesn't know about. And you know, being in this space, God is working through me to let them know that therapy is just like a big hug. It allows, you know, you to be seen in your most vulnerable spaces. It's intimate, you know? And when you think about that word intimacy, I always break it down as into me, you see. Intimacy, into me, you see. You're giving me the honor of seeing you, seeing the broken parts of you, and I can still come back and and validate you and affirm you. And that's what God does to us. He's just like, I don't care how broken you may feel. Bring me the broken pieces and let me put it back together because you're still valuable to me. And that's what I want my clients to see is that though they have these different experiences, you're still valuable to God. He still cares about you and he still loves you. So that's how I incorporate the two. It's how I show up in that space. Woo, you said a lot there. And what was really beautiful about what you said is that in the space in which you work, you have the honor of seeing people at their most vulnerable. That stands out to me because it's saying that it is an honor that you let me, like you said, that you trust me. And there is for a lot of people, not many people that they can be truly themselves, that they can open up themselves, that they can, you know, really just let everything go without the fear of being judged or condemned or just, you know, let it all out. And we all need that space. We all need that space. And you're right. That directly mirrors with God and what he wants from us, right? Because God, like you said, God says, bring me your broken pieces. He loves a broken and contrite heart. He is here to wrap us up and put us back together. So I love that God said, you know what? Don't stay in the box. When, when, a, a faith-based person comes to you that aligns with your faith, show me in a different way. But when somebody comes to you of a different faith, then you show them me through you. And that is really our responsibility because we are God's represent representatives on earth, right? Yes. We are his ambassadors. The only way people see God is through other people and through what we're doing. So it's so important. It is so very important that when we are God followers, that we mirror him in the best way that we can. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I feel like I'm packing up right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Okay. When you were, you know, deciding that you want to go into therapy and, you know, you were going through your process, what struggles, if any, did you face? Yeah. Yes. That last part, if any, a lot, a lot, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book. I'm an open book. You know, I wrestled with depression, um, majority of my life, majority of my life. I've wrestled with depression, um, three times in my life. Um, I contemplated, taking my life. Um, when I was younger, around 16, you know, I took a bottle of pills and only thing that did was make me sick. And I was just like, okay, well, God, I guess you still want me to stay here. Um, and then, you know, in my most recent attempt, which was several years ago, actually 2019, um, I really was, I, my mind was made up. You know, my mind was made up and I said, God, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, I just went through a divorce. There was a lot of trauma early on that, you know, I swept under the rug that I'd never dealt with. So I had a lot of unresolved wounds. And, you know, I really thought I was good at one point. You know, I was out here ministering. I was out here speaking. And I was just like, well, I guess I'm good. But when those triggers show up. And it's like, well, no, sis, you're not, you're not. I didn't know how to deal with it. It was so overwhelming for me that I was, I, you know, I reverted back to some unhealthy coping mechanisms. I started drinking again to kind of just numb my, um, numb the pain and kind of suppress it. And I realized that that wasn't healthy for me, but it was like, it was a control thing. And I was just like, I can't stop because if I don't drink, then I got to feel and sit with myself. And I'm not ready to sit with that little girl yet. I'm not ready to sit with this person yet. So I just kept drinking and I kept numbing. And it got to a point where God said, stop. But it was like a split mind. Like a part of me was like, God, I'm fighting, keep me here. And then a part of me was just like, I'm tired. I'm tired. And I would never forget. It was December, 2019. My, my boys with, was with their dad at the time. And I was in the house by myself. It was around Christmas time. And I said, God, how did I get here? again. How did I get here again? I thought I was fine. How did I get here again? He said, Candace, you never healed. You never sat with me. You never healed. You went out and healed the way other people was healing. You went out and healed this way and that way, but you never asked me, how do I want you to heal? And I never forget, I was turning the doorknob and I, in my, in my mind, I said, I'm gonna get in my truck and I'm going to just run off of a bridge somewhere. I'm going to run into a median somewhere. I'm just going to take my life tonight. And as I was turning the doorknob, it was just like, I felt God's presence just like, just swoop in. And it was just like, it really, you know, arrested me. And I stopped in my tracks and I just started crying. And I said, God, I said, I don't want to die. I just want the pain to stop. Teach me how to just, to just stop this pain. And what he did was he was like, just rest. He said, rest, because I was working in ministry. I was doing all these things, praying over people, but my heart was bleeding. God said, I didn't tell you to do that. You're still anointed. You're still called. You're still beautiful. You're still all these things, but you're hurt right now. And I need you to come away with me and spend time with me. So I was in therapy weekly. I was in therapy weekly. I had people in my community, you know, wrapping themselves around me. And it was the story of Elijah that I actually wrote in my first book. It was the story of Elijah that God used, who's one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. But a lot of times we preach and teach him from the context of the miracles that God performed through him. But we don't talk about the depression that he had. We don't talk about in the Bible. It literally says, God, I don't want to be here anymore. 
take my life. But you know what God did? He didn't throw in his face the miraculous things that he did. He didn't say, you're a prophet. I just use you to raise this widow's son. He didn't do any of that. He said, son, let me feed you. Come away with me. Let me give you rest. And then God is the best therapist. He's the first. He's he's amazing. What he asked Elijah when he asked him to come away with him, he said, why are you here? I said, God, why did you ask him that? Why? You know why he's there. He said, because I wanted to give Elijah the opportunity to be human. And I wanted to give Elijah the opportunity to put language on his pain. After that, I immersed myself in therapy. I immersed myself in healing because God told me it was okay. He told me it was okay. And from there now, I'm about to celebrate three years being sober, you know, and even in the moments when things arise, I have the tools. I know how to navigate through it that I don't spiral. I just work through it. What an amazing testimony and the way that God just worked through you first. Yeah. Yeah before you were able to pour out again to other people. I think it's an issue that a lot of us have. And I remember um, I used to minister in dance at my church and my pastor would call it like prophetic dancing. And there was a song that I used to dance to, and I think it's called Broken. And it, it talks about being broken and bruised, but still going out to minister and people still expecting things and people not seeing behind your smile. And it's true because I feel like as people, as women, as Christians, especially, we are really good at putting on a mask. Yes. So somebody says to you, how are you? The immediate answer without thinking, I'm blessed and highly favored. Highly favored. Yes. Listen, yes. listen, I think I said flavored, but favored. Favored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, that is the answer that we immediately have. We don't even yeah. think, we don't even check in. Yeah. And it is so important because, you know, we have unresolved wounds, no matter how big, no matter how small we do have as people because life, right? right. Life does its thing. Yeah. And it hurts us in one way or another. And I think another issue that I see when I'm talking to people, when I'm talking to women is sometimes we think our pain isn't big enough mm, to feel that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we are immediately say, well, you know what? I'm not, I don't have it as bad as somebody else. Who am I to complain? And it's not, you know, God cares about everybody's pain. God cares about everything that you've been through. So though my upbringing might've been different from yours and my struggles might've been different from yours, just because it may have looked to me like, you know, I was struggling just a bit less then I should not, you know, talk about what I'm going through, but that's not what God wants. So, you know, it is not healthy. And I love when you said, you know, you're having this conversation with God and you're talking about Elijah and you, God is saying to, you know, I wanted him to put language to his pain. Mm -hmm. And that really stood out to me because even when we're in pain, sometimes we don't know how to vocalize or verbalize it. Yeah. So it's just manifesting itself in different ways. Yes. This is a therapy session right here. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. (laughs) (laughs) But it really, it really is because it may, it can be anything. Like you said, it can be the fact that you're drinking, but it can also be 
let me get this word right. Toxic independency. Yes. Mm-hmm. It can also be that. Mm-hmm. Because you're afraid to let any, it's how it, it definitely how it shows up. So I want to ask you actually, mm-hmm. how do we know? Mm-hmm. What are ways to identify that we have unresolved wounds? Mm-hmm. It's really in your behavior, because one of the things I always teach my clients is it starts with our thoughts and then it manifests itself into our feelings and our, our emotions. And then it manifests itself into our behaviors. We can have thoughts and not do anything with those thoughts, but it's how it trickles into our behavior, how we show up. Do we start isolating ourselves? Do we start engaging in unhealthy um, actions? Do we shut down? Do we shut down? Do we do we mask it? Do we mask it? Because one of the things that, and you know, we've been seeing the, the increase again of, of deaths by suicide. And I will never forget the uh, the pageant. I want to say she was Miss USA. I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but she died by suicide. And one of the things her mom said was she didn't wear depression. She didn't wear it. What that means is that a lot of us only show it when we're alone. When no one else is watching, we go to work, we take care of the kids, we take care of the family. You know, we do all of these things, but it's what are you feeling within? What are you feeling within? When you think about detaching yourself from the world, do you go inside of your pain? Do you go inside of your trauma? Do you go inside of yourself? The things that you once enjoyed, you don't enjoy those things anymore. Is being able to notice the change in the shift to say, mm, I'm feeling some way right here. Let me get down to the root of that. What is it that I'm feeling? I'm crying more right now. What is it that's at the root of this? I'm 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 moving back from God. I'm not studying as more as as you know as I once was. I'm not praying like I used to. What has changed? Because the behavior is changed because of what's going on inside of you. Everything that's going inside, you know, of us internally, it shows up externally. And I I noticed the change. I noticed how I would go out and I would pray for people and I would do all these things, but then I'm crying myself home. I noticed how I curled up in the middle of the night, God saying, take this pain away from me. But then I go out and I smile and I show up and I do all these things. And I'm like, God, get me to my room, get me to my room because I'm trying to maintain and hold the tears. I don't want anyone to see this because we know. Our spirit tells us when we're grieving, but it's what we do with that grief and that pain. Wow. Our spirit tells us when we're grieving and grieving doesn't have to just be the loss of somebody. No, I'm so glad you said that because grief goes beyond. It could be a loss of self is grief, a loss of a relationship, a loss of an item. But for me, I felt the pieces of myself fading and I was like, God, I'm grieving me help me. So I'm so glad you said that because a lot of times we see grief as a physical loss of a human being. And it's just like, no, grief goes beyond that. It definitely does go beyond that. And one of your posts that you had on Instagram that I was, that I read really stood out to me. You were, you made a post about cognitive distortions. Mm -hmm. And I just want to talk about that for a little minute. And I think we talked about that on the podcast before, just in a different way. But really, really what it boils down to is how our minds can influence Mm -hmm. very heavily, more than we realize, Mm -hmm. how we think or act. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. how our minds can have certain thoughts just to protect us from feeling a certain way. 
Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Can okay. you tell us, tell us about how cognitive distortions, what it is and how does it look like in the real world? When you think about cognitive distortions, it's really about how we think. And we all have some sense of faulty thinking. Um, We mind read, we jump to conclusions. um, We look at situations and we only can think about the the negative and not the positive. Meaning someone can say 50,000 things about you that was positive, but they may have said one thing that was negative. You're going to forget the 49,000. You're going to focus on the one and then you're going to ruminate and you're going to worry and you're going to go overboard in that one, trying to fix that one instead of basking and celebrating in the others. So it's all about how you think. But like you said, our minds influences how we show up in the world. So when you think about the cognitive distortions, it's being able to reframe your thought process. So utilizing your own thoughts against you. So for example, one of the cognitive distortions is catastrophizing. I only can see the negative. What if this happens? What if I show up and I fail? What if I show up and they don't like me? What if? I say, use that against yourself. Use that what if. What if it show you show up and it's amazing? What if you show up and it's beautiful? What if you show up and you're like, wow, God, thank you for allowing me to be in this space. What if? So being able to reframe your mindset because if you have that thought and that thought is so debilitating, you're going to show up and you're going to shrink. You're going to show up in that imposter syndrome is going to show out because I don't think I deserve to be at this at this meeting. I don't think I deserve to be in this space because of how I'm thinking about myself. So those cognitive distortions, there's a list of them. I always tell my clients, pick the ones that you wrestle with and let's unpack that. Let's work with that because how we think can really limit us. And how God wants to use us and do great things. And that's why we, you know, he tells us he's a mind regulator because our minds need to be regulated. If he was not a mind regulator, we preach and we teach and we shout this. God is a mind regulator until it's time to regulate some minds. Then we're like, no, just pray about it. No, he said in his word that he's a mind regulator. Let him regulate. Let him regulate. And for some, it is just within our faith-based community. But for some, they need the pairing of both, right, of therapy and their community. Because our minds, the thoughts that we think about ourselves, it really shows up in how we carry out and, and walk, you know, this life out. So when you think about, you know, cognitive distortions, and one of the things that is a cognitive distortion that you you spoke about is minimization. Well, you know, so-and-so has it worse than me. And, you know, well, they lost their husband and I just lost my cat or da-da-da-da. But you're still hurting. God isn't saying, well, let me work with these, these sets of people right here because they're hurting more than these. No, no, no. That's not how our God operates. He cares about all of us. He cares about our minds. He cares about our bodies. He cares about our spirits. But when we minimize our pain, what we're doing is we're dismissing it. So the thought is I'm not hurting is that. So I'm going to dismiss what I'm feeling, even though I'm walking around with unresolved wounds. I'm minimizing it. I'm minimizing it because of, again, how am I seeing this? How am I thinking about this? I don't think that my trauma is big enough, so I minimize it. I don't think my pain is big enough, so I minimize it. And when we do that, we actually harm ourselves worse, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. We harm ourselves worse 
mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You said that, you know, we're so used to saying things like God is a mind regulator. He can do this and he can do that, but we don't actually apply it to our everyday lives. It's the application we're missing. And I I, I just want to pause here because most of my, most of my listeners are Christians are faithful yeah. people. And I want to pause here because, and I do it every time I'm talking to a mental health expert. It is so important for you to know that you can have Jesus and therapy. Yeah. It is not either or. God has anointed people like Candace to work with you, to help you, to have a special type of anointing to make you feel safe, safe, to make you trust them, to make you feel like, you know what, this is a person I can talk to and they're not going to take my business all out on the street. They're not going to come back and use what I've said to them to attack me. They're just going to let me be me. They're going to let me cry. They're going to let me scream. And then they're going to help me to reframe my thought process. Yes. Right. Through actionable steps that I will apply and I will pray about it and I will spend time with God, but it's the marrying of the two that helps us to go from one place to another, because I think in what I've seen, even just growing up in the church, we say so much, pray about it, Mm -hmm. but we're missing the actual deed that you need to do. So in the Bible, it says faith without works is dead. It also tells us what good is saying, you know, I'll pray. Somebody comes to you and says they're hungry. You say, I'll pray about it. How does that help them? Instead of giving them something to eat. And what we call that clinically, I'm so glad you brought this up. What we call that is spiritual bypass. You're using your faith to bypass your trauma. You're using your faith to bypass your pain. And God is just like, no, I, like you said, I've anointed persons to walk you through this. So when you think about spiritual bypassing, you pray it away, you shout it away, you fast it away. And then after all of that, you're still crying. You're still wrestling with the pain because God said, again, faith without works is dead. There has to be some action in this. You got to participate in your healing. You got to participate in your journey. God wants you to participate with him and asking him, God, how do you want me to heal? Because this weight is so is so heavy for me to carry. How do you want me to heal? Just like he told Elijah and just like he told me, I want you to rest first because mentally, when you are wrestling with, with things mentally and emotionally, I wish I would tell you this, it shows up in our body. Mm. It shows up in our bodies where you're so chronically fatigued and God allowed me to rest and just be. And then we started working through the things mentally and emotionally, but he tended to my body first before he attended to my mind and to my soul. Because when you think about it, if you're wrestling with this, I need to attend to what it is that you need first to, to have you stay here so I can work out those other things. That's That's practical. That's practical. But I think also God wanted us to see him as the father that he is. I saw God as this kind and loving God. I didn't see God as this person. that's just like, but you're a minister. You're doing this and this. How, how dare you be wrestling? Because people, they, they use things. We call it toxic positivity when they think they're, they're saying things out of their mouth that are, that are helpful, but it's harmful. I heard so many harmful statements while I was wrestling with suicide that I'm selfish and that how am I preaching a minister when I'm wrestling with this? We got the same Bible, right? Because it's in the Bible, mental health, depression, anxiety. 
It's all through the Bible. It's all through it. And God shows us how he journeys with us. So I had to, I developed some skin to say, God said he's working this thing out already. So you can talk because God is already showing me that I'm okay. And just like Elijah, after God dealt with him, God sent him back out because God wanted to affirm and validate just because you went through this does not mean that you're still not useful. And he did the same thing with me. That's why I'm in this space. Because you went through this, I'm sending you back out. I'm sending you back out. I don't know how we just got on that, but we did. We got on it. And listen, you said something and I'm just sitting here like, stop everything. We need to go back. You said toxic positivity. Yes. Let's get into that. Yes. What does that look like? like? You know, people would say, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, um, you know, this situation is going to make you stronger. Just pray about it and everything is going to work itself out. You know, look on the bright side. At least, you know, you didn't have to experience X, Y, and Z. It minimizes what someone is experiencing. It minimizes it. It goes back to when we were talking about cognitive distortions and minimization is that people think that these words sound good because it sounds positive, but it's wrapped up in toxicity. It's mm-hmm. wrapped up in it. So, it, and it really can confuse the mind sometimes, especially when you're already wrestling with something that's just like, wait a minute, why do, why do I feel like someone just punched me in the heart when they said that? Why do I feel this way? Because it's wrapped up in, in that toxic, you know, mindset mm-hmm. of this made you stronger. How does tell someone that was violated? But that assault made you stronger, didn't it? How? No. It, it, it made me not trust people. It made me want to stay inside. It made me not want to go out. It didn't make me stronger. It didn't make me stronger. So it's being able to look at those things and being able to say, when you don't have anything to say at all, know that your presence holds more weight than your words. Mm. Know that your presence holds more weight than your words than your words. When you think about the story of Job, his friends just sat with him because sometimes the pain is so overwhelming that words doesn't bring the comfort that a person needs, that they just want to know that somebody sees them and that, hey, I may not know what to say, but I know you're not going to do this alone. I may not have all of the, the, the things to say or do or tell you how to cope through this, but I want you to know I'm here and you're not going to do this alone. So we can figure this thing out together, but I'm not going to tell you to just push through it and get to the other side. And at least this, you know, made you stronger. I'm yeah. just going to sit with. You. Well, and, you know, you mentioned Job and his friends did come to sit with him, but then they opened their mouth. And that's why I brought that up because what you said, <laughs> then, then they open their mouths and being able to know that, that again, silence, silence, silence works. It works. And silence would have been better at that yeah. time. And one of the things that I can see that toxic positivity will do is really force back down your throat, what you're going through, right? Yeah. To, to, to compress it down at the bottom, when we need to express it. I I remember a time when I was talking to my sister and she had just lost her mom through COVID. And there was nothing that I could really say. Because you know, you want somebody to know there was going to be okay. But I also wanted her to know it's okay to scream. It's okay to cry. It's okay to not do anything. Whatever you want to do, it is okay. And don't let anybody tell you any different. And I think having permission or giving ourselves permission to feel everything on every level. Yes. Instead of forcing it down. 
right? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. That line right there. I'm fine. How are you fine? Everything is fine. It's a conditioned response. It's an automatic response because you're so used to saying I'm fine that you don't even know how to say I'm not okay. I'm struggling right now because your nervous system has been conditioned to show up in that way of masking it, right? That when someone asks you what to say, it's it's an automatic response. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Even if tears well up in your eyes, I'm fine. Even if your voice trembles or shake, I'm fine. Mm. Because that's all I know how to say. What do I say when I when I when I feel that I'm not okay? But what do I do when I say it? How are people going to see me? Do they have the capacity to hold space for me? Are they going to think I'm weak? There's all of these thoughts that are swirling around that if I tell the truth, if they see me, what are they going to think? Mm-hmm. How am I going to feel? Yeah. So that's why having a safe space is so important because we all need it. We all need it. It is very important. One thing that my husband has learned, I guess, through dating and being married is if he asks me something and I say, I'm fine. He's like, no, 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 you're not fine. <laughs> We're going to have to talk oh, about this. He just sees you. He knows you. Remember we talked about intimacy. Yeah. Intimacy, you see, you all have shared intimate, shared intimate space. So he sees you. He sees parts of you that no one else sees. Mm-hmm. So our words to people that see us, they see beyond those words. They see beyond it. That is so true. Now, let's get into this. Okay. You're an author as well. Yes, 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 yes. So not only are you amazing as a therapist, because I can just feel it through through, through the Zoom, <laughs> oh. I feel it. Amazing as a therapist, but you've also authored Breathe, Rest, Reflect, Reset. What yeah. led you to write this book? You know, that book was very therapeutic for me as I was, you know, in therapy and as I was going through my own journey, God told me to write it. He said, write it out, everything you're going through. So my book is very personal. I share, you know, while I was wrestling with those suicidal thoughts and depression, um, I was writing and I actually put in that book some of my journal entries during that time. So it was very personal. But God was just like, I want people to see that you can have me as your strong God and a strong therapist, and it's okay to not be okay. You don't have to be superwoman. You don't have to be Superman. You could take the cape off and just be and breathe. So when you think about that, the the tagline, rest, reflect, reset, that's what God did through Elijah. He gave him a moment to rest. He gave him a moment to reflect. And then he reset him and sent him back out. So I wanted people to see me and I wanted people to see how God used Elijah in my life. And it was, it's it's always been my hope and my prayer that they see God throughout beginning and end, throughout the trauma, throughout the pain, throughout the drinking, throughout the divorce, throughout everything that I experienced. And they just saw Candace and they saw how God just really loved on me during that time because God is not a respecter of persons. If he did it for Elijah, if he did it for me, surely he's going to do it for you. And there's nothing that we go through that's too big or too small for him. So whatever pain, whatever trauma, bring it to him because he's so fond of us. He loves us so much. He's just like, come away with me. Tell me why you're hurting. Yes, I know. Yes, I'm omnipotent. Yes, I'm omnipresent. But I want to hear out your mouth what it is that you're struggling with and wrestling with, because I want to give you a moment to not be okay. 
because you're still anointed and you're still graced for what it is that I put you, you know, in this earth to do. I never changed my mind about you. And that's one of the thoughts I had said, God must have changed his mind about me. That was one of my thoughts. So because that was my thought, I showed up in spaces when I was ministering and I shrink because I'm like, how can I be ministering doing this when I'm wrestling with this privately? And God said, I never changed my mind about you. And that's what that book journeys through. It journeys through God's love and how when you go through any type of mental health challenge, God still loves you. He sees you and he resets you. Mm. He sends you back out. This is just a moment, a season that you have to journey through so that healing can take place. But he's never changed his mind about us and he never will. Mm. God hasn't changed his mind about us. So whatever it is that we have been through, whatever it is that we are currently going through, he loves us enough to help us get through the process of healing, Mm -hmm. to be hold our hand as we participate in our healing journey, and then send us back out once we're all healed to help somebody else go through the journey maybe even in a better way than you did in a quicker way than you did, but God has ordained everyone's path. So because he has ordained, he has preordained and predestined us. He knew, he knew knew we'd struggle with anxiety. He knew we struggle with depression. He knew all of this. So going to tell him what we're going through, isn't, as you said, it's not something new to him, but it's something he's giving us space to verbalize. Yeah, something he's giving us space to get off our chest, right? That's what we need. That's what we need to work through. That's how we need to to move and grow. And God is just amazing that he would allow us space to go through this process, mm-hmm. space to look at us and say, I still love you. Yeah. Yeah. You're going through this. Yeah. You may have turned left and I wanted you to go right, but guess what? Yeah. I still love you. Mm-hmm. I am your father, right? I am all knowing. I am forgiving. I show mercy. I show grace. All yeah. of those things, all of those things that we don't show ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. God is there to show us. Yeah, he is. He is. So this has been such an amazing conversation. It has. And I feel like I can talk to you for at least another three hours today and tomorrow. Like I just get comfortable and talk to you. So um, (laughs) I'm kind of sad to wrap this up. (laughs) We need a part two. We do need a part two. And I'm all here for a part two. Don't worry. um, No, I do part twos. So before we go in the end of this part one... Can you tell us three tips to help us start improving our mental health? Yeah. The first thing is acknowledgement, acknowledging what it is that you're feeling and giving yourself space and permission to feel it. Because when you think about our feelings, God wants to heal what we refuse to feel. Mm. He wants to heal what we refuse to feel. So allowing yourself to feel your emotions, if it's sadness, if it's, you know, anger, because one of the things when we think about anger is not an unhealthy emotion, you know, it's how you allow anger to show up again in the what behavior being able to reconcile the anger so it doesn't show up in your behavior. So feeling your feelings, identifying your safe space, identifying the ones that see you and won't use you against you, right? Identifying your safe space, your safe circle. And again, if if certain people aren't in that safe circle, if a mom, is, if a sister isn't in that safe circle, that is okay. It doesn't diminish the relationship that you have. You just need persons that can hold space for you. 
have the capacity to do so, do that. So feeling your feelings, having that safe circle, but then taking breaks when you need to. Taking breaks when you need to. If you could take a half a day here, if you could take a day here, if you could take a weekend here, taking a break from the from the daily hassles of life and just being just resting and identifying what rest looks like for you because rest goes beyond sleeping. Rest may say I'm about to go to this beach down the street. Rest may say I'm going to call a good friend and go out to lunch. I'm going to phone a friend. Rest looks differently for all of us, but identifying how rest looks for you and doing it as often as you can. So again, feeling your feelings, finding that safe space, that safe circle, and taking breaks and identifying what rest looks like for you. So those are my three tips. Those are absolutely great tips. And listen, you need to do the things that Candace has said, because trust (laughs) me, it will make a difference. Feeling your feelings, having your safe space and taking a break and resting. And I love how you define that rest looks different for everybody. Resting does not just does not mean that I'm going to sleep. Yes, you may need to you may need to rest in that way, but there are other ways that you need to rest and that will pour back into you to help yes. fill your cup. So Candice, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Yeah. Before you go, you have to tell us how we can buy the book, yes. connect with you on social media and how we can work with you. Yeah. So social media, everything is Candice writes and um, my website is CandiceWrites.com. And my book is really everywhere. It's on Amazon. It's on Walmart. It's on BarnesandNobles.com. Um, so you just search Breathe, Rest, Reflect, Reset, and you can find it. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I enjoyed it. And as you know, Purpose Chasers, as always, all of the details Candace just shared, I will put in the show notes so you can just click the link and connect to her. Please do send her a DM. Tell her that you heard her on the podcast. Thank you so much for part one. I'm calling it. I'm calling it already (laughs) for part one. I look forward to talking to you for part two in the near future. Thank you so much, Candice. Thank you. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slave podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe. And also be sure to leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you liked from this episode, what you like from the show. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Pray, Plan, Slave Podcast, or you can follow me, your host, Shantae Sapphire, at Shantae Sapphire on Instagram. And the podcast is also on Facebook at PrayPlanSlay.com. We're on Twitter at Shantae Sapphire. All that information will be below in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us.